What's at the end of your fork could heal you or kill you. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You are about to hear from Danny Williamson. Today, we're going to dive into overcoming past childhood trauma, as well as hear her six steps to radical healing and living wild and well, eating well, sleeping well, moving well, pooping well, de-stressing well, and communing well. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Danny Williamson, who owns Integrated Family Medicine and Wild and Well, a wellness emporium in Franklin, Tennessee. She focuses on gut health, autoimmune thyroid diseases, and hormone and adrenal health with her patients. Sounds like me. <laughs> her approach embodies a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual process to healing. Danny is a graduate of Vanderbilt University School of Nursing, Nurse Midwifery, and Family Nurse Practitioner Programs. She's on the board of the Middle Tennessee chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and believes strongly in addressing issues of adverse childhood trauma and its relation to overall long-term health conditions. Her first book, Wild and Well, Danny Six Common Sense Steps to Radical Healing, was released November of 2021 by Morgan James Publishing. So welcome to the show, Danny. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, where do we start? There's so much we could talk about. <laughs> And I I think we'll just dive right in because you have story after story. So let's start with, I know your mother has Alzheimer's and you're an only child. And I've read your story of molestation and physical and verbal abuse from two stepfathers, which is more than anyone should have to go through. So can you expand on all you've been through and how you've managed to resolve pain and single-handedly take care of your mom (laughs) with this progressing disease right now? Yeah, it's fascinating. So there was a lot of trauma before I became wild and well, for darn sure. And, you know, I grew up honestly in complete and total chaos in my house. And my grandfather had died by suicide. My mother attempted suicide multiple times. She married two step, two other men other than my husband. I mean, my husband, my father, my dad was my, Lord, my first stepfather was a child molester. The second one nearly killed me my senior year in high school. I mean, it, it was bad. And I had chronic, chronic diarrhea and de- bloating and gas and uh, just awful, awful gut issues from all of that stress. And I was 20 years old and I had my first colonoscopy. Fast forward to 44, I had had four colonoscopies, endoscopies, barium enemas, diagnosed with lupus, diagnosed with fibro in my 30s, well, depression, and chronic itching, bad marriage. I, too, was suicidal. I mean, it was just one mess after another. And then I got a divorce, applied to nursing school at 40, and Then fast forward another $200,000 in student loans. I was still sick, got out of school, 10 doctors later, 24 years of seeing doctors, two little kids, food stamps. Oh, I forgot about that. I was on food stamps and a medical card. 24 years of seeing doctors before a doctor ever leaned into me and said, Danny, what are you eating? Don't you know your diet controls your disease? Do you take digestive enzymes and probiotics, you know, whatever? And do you know your food sensitivities? Turn the entire trajectory of my world around 12 years ago at 44. Changed the way I practice medicine. I had just gotten out of school and I was blown away that what's at the end of your fork could heal you or kill you. What? 
I had had four gastroenterologists and not a single one had ever said, what are you eating, Danny? Or tell me about what happened to you before the age of 18. Why did you have your first colonoscopy at 20? That's not normal. It's not normal to itch uncontrollably or poop your pants, basically, before you get out of a restaurant. So it turned the entire world around when I learned that what affects you before the age of 18 can set you up for a lifetime of chronic disease. And what's at the end of your fork can kill you, uh, as well as, you know, sleeping well, moving well, pooping well, stressing well, cultivating community, all those things. So it's been a wild ride. The last 12 years, the first 44 years were just total, complete chaos. But I have really come into my own from 44. And now and then my mom got diagnosed with, with Alzheimer's three years ago. And it's been a nightmare. But we're getting through that. So all that being said, that's what I do for a living is I help those men and women, mainly men, though. I mean, women, honestly, heal decades of chronic lifestyle disease by addressing their diet and their childhood trauma. And once I fixed, once I zoned in on the trauma situation, it really helped take the healing of my patients to the whole next level. It's fascinating, isn't it? I wasn't taught. Stephanie, were you taught in school? No, no, no. I want to go to trauma. Let's. I want to spend some time there, but I have to go back because I want to ask. So what kind of doctor actually leaned into you? Family practice. I was working for him. He was my first job. I had gotten fired my very first job out of nurse practitioner school from the emergency room because I wasn't learning fast enough is what his words were to me. He's going to get a copy of the book though, by the way, because he said, you're not learning fast enough. And I said, I love this job, Dr. So-and-so. And he said, nobody loves this job. They only do it for the money, Danny. And I said, what? Well, so there I was 200 grand in debt fired six months after graduating. And I got a job at a family practice clinic who had, Dr. Kalb had stepped out of the boat 15 years before and started practicing functional medicine. So I was like his protege. He was my mentor for five years before I opened up practice. And you were meant to land there because if you would have been working in the ER. I would have never learned any of this. There would have been no book. I would have never been wild and well. My patients would have been the exact same, treating symptom after symptom after symptom. The heartburn I had for decades, right? That was the symptom of something bigger. It wasn't a Nexium deficiency. It was a symptom of everything I was eating and the stress that was in my life and the childhood. So no, he was family practice. Still here in this town today. And I, I left there seven and a half years ago to open my own practice. And he's still a great mentor to me. And it changed the entire trajectory of my life, my children's lives. I hope generational changes here and of my patients as well, because none of us rarely, rarely, some people are not born sick. I wasn't born sick. I wasn't born with lupus. I wasn't born with heartburn. I wasn't born chronically itching. I wasn't born depressed. I turned every bit of that on. And Steph, I am living proof. What you turn on, you can turn off. Let's talk about that because I'm sure trauma turns some of these things on, like the bad things, right? So obviously you mentioned your childhood was traumatic. And I know this is an issue for tens of millions of people worldwide. We've mentioned on the podcast before the adverse childhood childhood event score, the ACEs. I've had some other, if that's how I pronounce it, I've had some other guests that have mentioned that. And no, I never, ever was taught that through school. <laughs> so is this something that you incorporate your knowledge of in your patient care then? Every single day. 
the last four years, every single new patient who walks in that clinic to see me gets the adverse childhood experience questionnaire, the 10 questions on physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, right? Divorce, molestation, you know, it's it's 10, it's psychological, living situations, violence against the mother. I mean, all that, it goes on and on. Mental illness, they get that questionnaire. It's turned my practice on its head because I deal with a lot of autoimmune patients, Hashimoto's and Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. And it's it correlates the sicker the patient, the more the autoimmune disease, oftentimes the higher the adverse childhood experience questionnaire score. Mine is six. I should be dead 20 years, the statistics show, before my counterparts who have an ACE score of one or below. But about 70% of the population has one, has at least one ACE score they predict. And, and if you have one, you've got a 50% chance or more of having a second one. And the higher the score, the shorter the lifespan. The, you've got a 200% chance, higher rate of suicide if you have a four or more score. 400% higher rate of chronic bronchitis and emphysema. 460% higher rate of depression. Chronic pulmonary lung disease, 390% higher. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. With a six or more score, decreased lifespan by 20 years because of something that you are not responsible for, what happened to you when you were under the care of someone else. So what do we do about it? I I believe it. I absolutely believe it. And I want to start using that. I need to earn my patients. It's in the book. The question here is in the book, but you can print it online free from NPR. If you type in ACE questionnaire, just type it in. There you go. It's not perfect. Do you know the story of how it ha- of how no. ACEs? No, so sure. We can get into this forever, and it's all in the book, so you can read it. But it was in the 90s in San Diego, California, Southern California, a very upper middle class, upper class neighborhood. Dr. Filetti ran a weight loss clinic. And I mean a very successful weight loss clinic where they were lo- patients were losing 100, 200, 300 pounds. This wasn't a 10-pound gig. This is a losing hundreds of pounds. Patients were dropping out. He noticed there was a really high dropout rate and they were losing 200 pounds, yet they dropped out of the program, several hundred. So he started calling people in and he interviewed and he started interviewing. And one day, one day he made a mistake and he said, how much did you weigh when you first had sex? He made a mistake. She said 40 pounds. And he said, hang on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant how old were you when you first had sex? And she said, four years old. And he said, what? And she said, my father raped me my entire life and that I was at home. Okay, so he thought he'd only had one case of incest his entire life. I think it was an internal medicine doctor. Fast forward, interviewing more and more raped, molested, beat up, dad's in prison, mom's in prison, all hungry. So he asked other people to come in, other colleagues to interview clients, patients. Same story over and over and over. Hence, he was like, something's, this is not right. Not right at all. Long story, the CDC got involved with this. He went to the CDC. They can't, they, they ended up with a 17,000 patient population study. So the adverse, the ACE questionnaire is based off of 17,000 white, mainly white 
upper middle class college educated people in Southern California in the Kaiser Permanente program or health insurance program. Not all inclusive of blacks, browns, all colors, right? All educational backgrounds. So what they discovered is that, okay, it wasn't it wasn't comprehensive. But if it's this prevalent in this population, then imagine what it is nationwide and worldwide. So they've done more studies after that. It's not the end all be all, but the American Academy of Pediatrics says this is the number one. I think it was Dr. Block used to be the president. Number one public health crisis in the United States that we missed. We missed it. We better start implementing this questionnaire with our pediatric patients and their mothers and their fathers, because the answers are oftentimes very different. So what do we do about it? So if even clinicians who are listening say, I'm going to start using this in my practice, or if patients go online and they take the questionnaire and they say, holy cow, I have a high score. How do we heal trauma? That to me is challenging. I don't know if you're comfortable sharing how you start with your patients and what has been beneficial for you, but that's, absolutely. yeah, let's have, we got to, you know, spit some hope into this. Well, let me tell you, I get them into therapy as soon as possible, right? And so I say to them, look at this, just today, just today, the very last patient of the day before I ran, ran in here, she's having all these esophageal spasms, all of these horrible things. She had her esophagus stretched. I mean, she's got lots of things going on. And I said to her, I said, hey, you know what? This is your throat chakra here. And, and there's a lot of trauma going on at home right now. I said, you can't speak. You can't speak. Your voice, and, and it is, the daughter's getting ready to be instant inpatient for some eating disorders. And I said, so all that being said, and she would, she'd never heard of throat chakras and closing down and all of this. I said, this, I said, Cindy, the, the body keeps score of everything that happened to you. So we start with treatment. I personally checked myself in one, two, three, four years ago in November. It's called OnSite. OnSite is world famous for experiential therapy and treatment. Six days of treat of therapy in there is worth it. The research shows about two years worth of treatment. Now, not everyone can go do that. They come from all over the world to go to OnSite. And I literally lived out my trauma the first time I was molested. I mean, you act it out. You work it out. I mean, this is hardcore work. I've done EMDR. I have done every kind of therapy you can imagine to work through this and to forgive my mother for not protecting me. And and millions of other people have the exact same story as I do. And so I get them into the best treatment that I can find that they can afford. I have partnered up with sliding scale practices here that have huge practices. I know the people here who focus on trauma. I was just going to say, I mean, ideally they would see a trauma therapist. Yeah, You just don't go talk this out. You go deal with someone who knows how to take you back to the trauma, you know, how to work through it to go through it because there's no way around it. I tried that for decades. It didn't work. You go right through it and you work through the trauma and you go through the hard part. Because guess what? We've already been through the hard part. The healing is difficult, but you have to also open yourself up to it. It has made the biggest difference in my practice and my patients' outcomes and their health and their healing. And not only with them, but with their families, for sure. Because as women, and again, I see mainly women, we technically are not the head of the household. I am the head of my household. I am a single mom for 20 years, but technically we're not. But we set the tone for the home. 
the second we walk in that door. And when mama is sick, when mama is emotionally torn up, when mama is dealing with the trauma and all the things, I mean, the entire home feeds off of her, of how she is. And when she's happy and healthy and whole and her buckets filled up, her vessels filled up, it's a completely different household. So it's hard work. And I start on that again with healing the gut and working on stress and working on getting to sleep and things. But trauma is something that every single one of us need to learn more about. The book, The Body Keeps Score, there's a reason. It's a number one seller. I don't have it right here behind me, but it's been a number New York Times bestseller for decades. The Deepest Well is also, I think- I've heard that one, yeah. Oh my gosh, Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris, healing the long-term effects of childhood adversity. Our body keeps the score of the trauma. Oftentimes, whatever happened, whatever, it doesn't have to be something traumatic, but if it's traumatic to the child, then it's traumatic and it affects them. It's key, I'm telling you, when you address the trauma, you change the entire trajectory of the entire family. You mentioned EMDR. Can you share with the audience what that is? Eye movement, rapid. What is it? Desensitization. Something like that. I I can't pronounce the last word. I can't remember what the last word is. And that is literally going back to your trauma. So they take you back to your trauma and you visualize a safe space. And I'm no expert in that. I went through it years ago. And it's hardcore work. I mean, you go through sessions. Have you ever done EMDR? Have you ever? No. You have to have a specialist and somebody who's trained in EMDR, but you're going back to the trauma. You're going back to the hard part, the scary part, whatever it is, whatever it is. And it's different for everyone. For me, it was, you know, being molested or being beat up that that night, my senior year and working through it, going through it. And but then also having a safe place to go in your mind. And so they teach you all of that. And there's there's some tapping involved in it somehow. Tapping. Emotional, emotional freedom technique, EFT. Do you know Nick Ortner? No, but I've had, I've had a guest, she'll air before you that talks about emotional freedom technique. It's a game changer for trauma patients and anxiety patients. All you can do is sit on it. You can sit on an airplane and watch the people who know tapping and who are tapping, right? Who are literally tapping. I mean, you don't care how you look if you've got anxiety. It is fascinating. And all of those things, EMDR, experiential therapy, talk therapy, hypnosis. I just went through some hypnosis dealing with the trauma. I just went through an entire thing with a hypnotherapist here. There's not one thing that works for everyone. So you came up with six steps to healing that you use in your practice. And you've alluded to some of them. We know that you prioritize assessing for childhood trauma, which is amazing. And then you're, you're sending patients off to, you know, a therapist that's going to be a good fit for them. But how did you come up with these six steps? And let's break them down. So do what, I'll let you list them up. Eat well, sleep well, move well, poop well, de-stress well, cultivate community well. So let's break each one down. I mean, let's start with eat well. well Tell us what to, that means. You got to start with what's at the end of your fork. It'll heal you or kill you. I say it every day. I'm the biggest redneck ever. And it's like what goes down the pie hole will heal you or kill you. We have decades of research on this. I spent all those years, chronic diarrhea, not one time did a gastroenterologist say, Danny, what are you eating? What are you eating? That canned icing you've been eating for years when you got stressed out, it was like my crack, right? 
Betty Crocker icing, that's destroying your gut. You've got to figure out, for me, I work with food intolerances, food sensitivities, and I immediately start to heal their gut with L-glutamine and some probiotics and some digestive enzymes, maybe if they need them and multiple things. Relearning how to eat, because that's what it is. We are so emotionally connected to food. You know this, that it's the most difficult thing, in my opinion, you'll ever do is to change your diet. We eat the same food over and over and over. We feed our kids the same five or six meals their entire life. This takes work eating one ingredient, God made food in season. Spring is here, I hope, eventually in middle Tennessee. And all the spring and summer foods are coming in. We are designed to eat God-made one-ingredient food. I tell people every day, there is a reason Chick-fil-A, and I'm not picking on Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or Burger King or any of that, but there's a reason Chick-fil-A in Franklin, Tennessee has a line around it right now at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Same line is in Des Moines, Iowa, or Iowa, where you are, <laughs> right? the same line around that building in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's about addiction. If you think the food industry has your health in mind, you are sadly mistaken. Every chicken sandwich there was made in a chemistry lab. Nobody's chicken sandwich tastes the same every time you cook it. Or nobody's biscuits from like Cracker Barrel. I've consulted with Cracker Barrel on their menu. All of that is a chemistry experiment. It's fake processed man-made food and it's about addiction. And they have won. They have done it. There's a line every day around every one of them because we are addicted to fat, salt, sugar. And it takes relearning, unlearning everything we've learned about food. And if you don't cook, I can't help you get well. I am sorry, because cooking is self-care. You don't have to be a gourmet cook, but you need one ingredient foods. There's not much olive oil, salt, and pepper won't make taste good. You can chop a carrot for crying out loud or a Brussels sprout or a broccoli or a cauliflower. So we start with the diet. We got to eat well. We, re- we assess all of that. We work with you on that. And then you got to move well. If You need to move your body. Our body's designed to move. If you're not exercising, I don't care if it's hula hooping. I'm getting ready to do an hour and a half long hula hoop class at the office. We're offering it to, to anybody who wants to come. I, I don't care if it's hula hooping, ballroom dancing, skateboarding, whatever. Move your body. We are designed to move. When you move better, you eat better. The research is heavy. It's so strong on this. When you exercise, you also have a better sex drive. It's not one of my six steps, but it's a big piece of steps to getting better, right, is your your sex drive and your libido. So you got to move and you got to figure out what that is for you. Are you better in the morning? Are you better in the afternoon? I mean, I don't care when you do it. Just move. Eat well, sleep. Oh, sleep. Oh, sleep. Let's go to sleep. Sleep. I almost think the longer I do this job, I really believe that sleep, it possibly is more important. It can't be more important than food, but it is right there side by side. Because if you don't sleep, you're never going to eat well. You're never going to move well. You certainly aren't going to poop well. Your body heals when you sleep. Your bedroom is to be a sanctuary. You know this, Dr. Gray. We're sitting in front of ring lights. We got a computer in front of us. You got a phone beside us. We are bombarded with electromagnetic fields. But that bedroom better be clear of all of that. The bed is for sleep and sex only. If your bedroom is a pigsty like my office is right now, it's just one cluttered, chaotic crap storm in here right now. 
you're not going to sleep. It needs to be clean. It needs to be cool. It needs to be dark. And it needs to have nothing in it. No TV, no computer, no cell phone, no nothing. Sleep and sex only. I totally agree. I'm all about creating a sleep sanctuary. Love that, love that. Your sleep, when you cross that. and, And if you don't sleep all night, this is in my sleep well chapter of the book. You don't have to sleep all night. I have learned a lot about sleep researching this book. We never did sleep all night. For hundreds of years, we had something called segmented sleep, first and second sleep. Everyone went to sleep and slept four or five hours. They got up four or five hours later. They had sex. They stirred the beans. They made the pot, whatever they did. I don't know. Read the Bible, sewed, whatever. And then they went back to sleep until they woke up. And it's not how long you sleep. So I've really changed since I wrote this book. It's not how long you sleep or how if you sleep all night. It's how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? How do you feel? Give yourself some grace if you wake up in the night. Don't stress over this. Don't get up. I mean, don't do crazy things. Give yourself some grace. When you go through menopause, like I did three years ago, I hadn't slept all night ever since then, but I I feel good when I get up in the morning, so I don't stress about it. So you got to eat well, sleep well, move well, poop well. What? Nobody poops anymore. I never had that problem because, you know, I spent years with chronic diarrhea. Oh, my Lord. So I don't have to worry about that, but. If somebody tells you they only poop once or twice a week, you are desperately constipated. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I tell I patients. Nine-month-old poodle laying right here beside me. We're supposed to poop like our poodle. They eat and they go and poop. Not too much lot longer, right? I've never seen that dog have diarrhea or be constipated. I don't know what happens in their, their gut, but they've got it. And then they're very excited when they poop as well. So we need to poop. And we got to figure out how to get us pooping. You're not going to go to the bathroom if you're not eating well or sleeping well or moving well. Every bit of that gets the bowels moving. Maybe you need some magnesium to poop a little bit better. Maybe you need a better probiotic. I mean, maybe you need more fiber. Of course, we work with all of that. Eat well, sleep well, move well, poop well de-stress well. I feel like that's the hardest for many people, including myself. We fly mm-hmm. around like monkeys over here, just nonstop. We pile so much on our calendar that we can't keep up. Nothing gets on your calendar unless you put it on there. Dr. Gray, if you sent me this email and wanted me on this podcast and I didn't have the time or the tolerance or whatever, I had the right to say, I can't do that. I'm telling you, I'm tapped out. As women, we don't do that. We have no margin in our life. Set some margin. I don't know who's listening to this that needs to hear this, but don't say yes unless it is a fantastic idea for you. You don't have to be the room mother. You don't have to be the boy scout leader, the girl scout leader. The kid's going to still advance on without you being involved in it. Set your boundaries, automate, eliminate, and delegate everything you can in your life so that your vessel is filled up and you're not pouring from an empty vessel. Eleanor Brown says, you don't, we're a nation of empty vessels. We're pouring from empty vessels. When you are full and your oxygen mask is on first, you are a full vessel and you're overflowing. It's the overflow that everyone else gets. They don't get your vessel. No, if your children were sick, you would take care of them. Why won't you take care of yourself? 
automate everything you can, eliminate everything you can, and delegate everything else. You are worthy to be 150%. And as women, and I'm on the board for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, phone calls to suicide crisis lines are up 800% since the pandemic. 800%. We are in a mental health pandemic like we've never seen ever here. And so stress is real and it will kill you. It causes your immune system to be lower. It causes your adrenals to burn out. It's, 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 an, it's an epidemic. There's nothing wrong with cutting things out. You don't like your job is killing you like what was happening to me seven and a half years ago. Well, I left my job, right? You got a bad marriage. I'm not telling you to get a divorce, but maybe, maybe there's things worse than divorce. I can tell you that I was in a verbally, emotionally abusive marriage. I got out. You've got friends that are dragging you down and family members that don't respect your boundaries. You know, if you believe in Jesus, Jesus put water between him and his tribe when he needed it. He went off alone. He prayed alone. He slept alone. He did the things. He put some distance between him and his people. If Jesus had to do it, then for crying out loud. It's okay where you're not weak for doing that. Exactly. You bet. Eat well, sleep well, move well, poop well, de-stress well, cultivate community. It's key. He knew all about community, right? He had 12 in his tribe that were his people, but even inside his tribe, he had a tighter group of people. You don't need a ton of people in your life. Community is life-giving. You're healthier. The research is clear on that. You have less chronic disease. You have less inflammation when you're laughing with your people. What's today? Is today Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't Wednesday. know. Wednesday. Wednesday. God, it's Wednesday. I thought all day it was Tuesday. Friday night at 530. I have my girls night. I do it usually twice a year. I've got 11 girls coming. Yes, it's a pain in the butt. My house is a mess. We're doing a huge charcuterie gig over here. And I've got my tribe with me Thursday or Friday night. All but two can be here. When you have your tribe, you are happier, healthier. And I mean, it's it's just life-giving. But we're a lonely society because we have socially isolated. I'm not blaming social isolation on anything. But what I'm saying is that's not life-giving. And all you need is one, oak trees, sequoia trees. They just need a few roots to hold themselves up, these big old trees. It's key. Community is key. And those are my six steps. I don't know how it happened. 12 years ago, I didn't know what I was doing. I got my job. I thought I knew, understood the ER. Apparently, I didn't. Then I got this job in a functional medicine clinic where I had no clue what these people were talking about. Ashwagandha? What the heck? Erythrococcus? What? What are you talking about? And and so I just thought, okay, I got to bring this down to common sense medicine. What's going to help us? And that's how I came up with it. And it works. And I go through that at the office all day, every day with patients. I break it down to common sense, practical medicine. We are so far away from common sense medicine. (laughs) You made it simple. I I love those steps. I love the steps. So I want to go back to them, of course, again, uh, because I want to go back to the food piece, which is foundational. And that's a huge part of functional medicine. It's chapter one in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, really healing that reducing inflammation there. So let's spend some time on this because how do you feel your patients react when they're being told to change their diet? The last one today, I've seen her for years. 
And she finally is getting ready to, she's never cut gluten and dairy out, right? And they are emotionally frozen when I say this to them, right? Everything I eat, Danny, this is everything I eat. Yes, it is. And we're going to do this in baby steps. In a perfect world, you cut all seven out at the same time. That, 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 right? And some do. I had a new patient. It was her second visit today. She did it. She did what I asked them to do. I do a 10 day detox and she came back in. She said, I cannot believe how much better I feel. And she's 12 pounds lighter. Now that's unusual, honestly, because a lot of people change gluten-free food for gluten-free products. And that doesn't work either at all, but they are emotionally paralyzed. If you want to know the truth, when I ask them about this and then they're overwhelmed. And the first trip to the grocery store is a nightmare because they can't figure it out. And I'm like, it's real simple. It's one ingredient food. Do you see this with your patients? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I want to mention, because we had we had talked about this before we started recording, but the seven, just for the listeners, the seven foods that Danny was just referring to. I mean, I'm with you. I, I usually start patients gluten and dairy-free, but if, they'll, if they're not having the results they want, and if they can't afford food sensitivity testing, whatnot, then the seven foods that JJ Virgin came on the show in January 2022 <laughs> to talk about removing were gluten, dairy, soy, corn, peanuts, sugars. What am I forgetting? Eggs. And eggs. Yep. Yeah. So for many people, if they will wipe the slate clean and take them all out, they will feel amazingly better and lose weight. You bet they will. I have sold thousands of books for JJ since 2012. When I started this in 2010, Dr. Cal was having people cut those seven foods out before she wrote the book, right? Mm -hmm. And so we did this huge handout and all these papers. She wrote the book in 2012. I've adopted that. That's part of my three-step program for I do a 10-day detox and then I eliminate those foods. And it's just, I've sold a gazillion books. It's to me, (laughs) it's the most easily explained book, basically written at a fifth grade level. Here we are promoting her book and you and I have books, (laughs) whatever it takes to get people to learn because she broke it down at a level to where everyone could understand. And eggs, eggs, quite frankly, eggs tick people off almost worse than gluten and dairy does because they're the perfect little protein, right? A lady today, she said, Dini, I eat eggs all the time. I love them. I said, I know that, but your body hates eggs because I did have a food sensitivity on her. I said, your body hates eggs. I need you to give it up. And I showed her, she goes, I eat cage-free eggs. And I Googled up cage-free eggs for her to look at what a cage-free chicken is. One chicken in with 40,000 other chickens, that's cage-free. That's not free range pasture rate. So cage, don't be tricked on that. So I, so people are, and she was horrified looking at those horrible chickens and 40,000 of them right in a, in a big building and stuff. But it's the hardest thing to do is to change the diet. They'll work on the sleep. They'll work on, but I have learned if you don't decrease the inflammation by working on the gut and what you're eating, we never get where we need to be. We get better. But you're never optimal. And I'm shooting for optimal, not just normal. You know, I want to get back to where you were before everything started falling apart. Totally, totally agree. And I think you have like an inflammation is the devil, of course. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And we just lowered the price when the book came out and we never even raised it back up. It's $29. It's a, it's a good course. You know, everything we just talked about, but way more in depth and inflammation is the devil. That's good. And then um, that's a good little course. And of course, the book is a really good little guide like yours. 
Well, let's come back to that. Let's circle back around to the book. And for the listeners, we'll definitely put the link to the inflammation course in the show notes. But I mean, you clearly live wild and well. Even your hair matches the wild and well. <laughs> I love it. Yes. All your curly hair. Yes. I have curly hair too. I need to embrace it. My, I'm getting my there. My hair looked better there. <laughs> this was pre-COVID and I've had COVID twice. And I was telling the lady today, she goes, well, I think your hair looks great. And I said, it does. It's beautiful. No way near the same hair it was here. Two, two years, Because this was done two years ago. Well, 18 months ago or so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, it's fine. It still looks beautiful. So tell us, though, what was kind of the inspiration for your book? I've had a good friend in this town for years, Michael Hyatt, who's written multiple New York Times bestsellers. And he lives here in, in town with his family. And I see him all the time. And he said, Danny, you need to write a book. You are trading time for dollars over there. One-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one with these patients. Your story is amazing. What you do helps people and you need to write a book. So then I called Josh Axe, who also lives in Franklin. We're real lucky. We've got like all these big New York Times bestsellers here. Josh, I've known forever since he was doing what I'm doing, seeing patients one-on-one. I said, Josh, you got to write a book. He said, well, you're going to, okay, well, here you go. And so he wrote the forward, but he said, here's how you do it. And I wanted to help hundreds of people, thousands of people, maybe millions of people somehow, some way, more than just doing this one at a time, because I'm living proof that whatever you turn on, you can turn off. It's as simple and as complicated as that right there. And there's not enough gluten in the world to make me go back to how I felt 12 years ago. And I also, I wanted to put the word out there that, you know what, you're not broken. If you had childhood trauma, and most of us did, we need to address it. We need to get that nailed down. We need to move through it, not around it. And you can do every single bit of that and live the life that you were designed to live. And that's why why I wrote it and how I wrote it and broke it down as a manual like that. Because if I can do it, anyone can do it. I was raised in a small town, no money. I mean, I I mean, I took the ACT one time, made a 15, applied to one college and got in and went. I mean, good Lord, I am smart, but not that smart. And I'm living proof. That your body is designed to be 150%. And man, when you are, you want to shout it from the mountaintops. And that's why I wrote the book. So I, I do want to circle back around to your health because you opened with all of the things you were struggling with. So where is your health now? Are you at that 150%? Where are you at? I am, except I got COVID in January and it messed my gut up again, which is really interesting because I haven't had any issues for a decade. I am hormonally balanced. Thank you, Jesus. Past menopause, I feel good hormones. I'm not on any lupus medications, depression medication, nothing. I take low-dose naltrexone and progesterone and then a lot of vitamins, and I feel good. My weak spot is exercise, and I am irritated at myself over that. My diet is good. My, I mean, everything on all that stuff is good. My exercise is my weakest point. We've all got a weak link somewhere. And that's me. And I'm irritated right now about it because I love to move my body. But once you get out of the habit of exercising, it's hard to get back in. So I feel good. I feel better now than I felt in my 30s. Oh, I know I feel better now than I felt in my 30s. I felt horrible in my 30s and just kept pushing through. I'm not ever going back to that. I felt rough in my 40s, but I feel like a million bucks. I'm closer to 60 than I am 50 now. And I am going to, the next 56 years are going to be much better than the first 44. I can tell you that. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Few last questions. Tell the listeners what free gift you have. We have a free shopping, uh, not, well, yeah, it's a swapping list, not a shopping list, a free swapping list. So if you're eating flour tortillas, consider corn tortillas or really don't do that. Almond or cassava tortillas, you know, so it's a shopping, a little shopping list. I send out a newsletter randomly, so you will not get spam. A lot of newsletters, trust me on that one. So if you just go to dannywilliamson.com, sign up for that and or sign up for our newsletter and you'll get a free swapping list, which is pretty good. You can take it to the grocery, et cetera. Awesome. My last, well, my next question was going to be where can listeners find you? So there's your website. What about social media? Are you on social media? Danny Williamson Wellness and Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all the same. Danny Williamson Wellness. Somebody has the Danny Williamson one. And so if I could find out who it is, Red, get that, I would. But so we've had, yeah. And we give out just like you do a tremendous amount of education. Every single week, every week, a lot of education. So uh, free education. That's how you can get in touch with us. And if you're ever in Franklin or Nashville, Tennessee, come see us. We have a great supplement store and a clinic too, but I mean, the store's open six days a week. So we have all kinds of great wellness stuff, not just vitamins. Well, tell us your, your top longevity tip. You obviously, all of your tips have plenty longevity, but what's your absolute top longevity tip? Well, you need to believe, okay, this would be my best one, I think, is that you need to know and believe that you're not broken at all. Nope. Once you believe that, you may say it, but you don't believe it. Once you believe that, your body starts to turn around. We doubt that. We're not sick. We're not broken. No one has ever said that. I keep saying, I love it, I love it, I love it, but I do. That's great. I think it's it's key, you know, and once you believe it, you know, we say, I'm sick, I'm sick, something's wrong, something wrong. No, metabolically, you're probably pretty good. It's probably the wellness piece of it, the emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, sexual, financial, social, whatever, that's out of balance. And when we start to get that in balance, everything falls into place. We're not broken. We're not broken creatures. We're not perfect, but we're not broken. No, we aren't. Well, thank you so much today for coming on the show. I love that we started the episode talking about how important it is to really assess childhood trauma. I hope the listeners lean a lot out of that because I think that's a very important point, especially now with mental health on the rise. So thank you for pointing that out and really just sharing how we all can live wild and well. I hope everyone checks out your book and gets your free resources. So you are another wealth of knowledge. Loved having you on the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Dr. Gray. Thank you. That was so interesting. A huge take home for me was to automate, eliminate and delegate and know that when my vessel is full, that overflow spills onto others. Hearing guests like Danny overcome as much as they have are truly inspiring. And I as a clinician have learned how important it is that I include use of the ACEs questionnaire for adults with my patients. I'll post a link to that in the show notes, along with her inflammation course and website. I'll also post links to the book she mentioned, The Body Keeps Score in the Deepest Way. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. 
This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.